On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about my reflections of last year, about catching COVID, and what systems and mindsets I'm taking into this year to make 2022 the best year yet. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 101 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is a place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own, sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. And we're back. It has been the longest break that I've taken from podcasting since the end of 2019, these last three or four weeks. And it's been a strange one. It has been really weird not sitting down here every Thursday and just talking into this microphone, sharing my week, starting these conversations. Um, I found myself in a way at a bit of a loose end. Now, thankfully, I've been busy. I'll bring you up to speed in a second. But I think the first place to start is just to say that it's good to be back. I've been looking forward to doing this all week. I've literally had this in my calendar. Um, And as the days edge closer, I've been typing more and more and more into this note of stuff that I've been collecting over the last few weeks that would typically get deloaded once a week. There's like four weeks worth of thoughts here. So I'm going to try and do some real-time editing as I go, not to share it all, but just to try and pull together some of the places where my mind has been these last few weeks, give you a bit of an update on uh, the end of last year, because of course we didn't really speak in December, and then of course talk about 2022 and what we're going to be doing there. So um, like I say, it's been a busy but a weird few weeks since I last sat down to record an episode like this. Uh, I think the first big thing that I did uh, outside of this podcast was I turned 26. Obviously, it was my birthday on the 11th of December. And around that time every year, work at PATA begins to slow down slightly. So all of the kind of final Christmas campaigns are ready. Things like Black Friday are way out of the way by that point. And so the last couple of weeks of December are always typically slow anyway. Um, So I turned 26 and then I told myself that for my birthday, I was going to have a few days off uh, to go to a couple of gigs. So on the 13th, went to see Ed Sheeran in a church in London. That was incredible. That was definitely one of the best nights of the year. Uh, 2000 people in a church in Hackney with Ed doing an hour and a half set. Really, really cool. And then the next day I flew from London to Dublin to go and see Dermot Kennedy Uh, I've seen Dermot a few times, but I've always wanted to see him in Dublin. This came up, perfect timing, given everything I just said with work. So I took the opportunity, flew to Dublin, saw Dermot, struggled like hell to get a taxi back that night. I don't know what it is with taxi drivers on Uber in Dublin, but nobody wanted to pick me up from that part of the city, going to where my hotel was. So I literally had to walk through the absolute ends for about an hour just requesting a taxi, walking a bit further, it gets cancelled, requesting a taxi, walking, cancelled and so on. Not ideal, but eventually got back to the hotel. And then when I was in Dublin, I spent the day 
on the Wednesday planning 2022. Now I'm going to talk about that a bit more later on, but I've wanted to do this for three years. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I've wanted to book a random hotel, remove all distractions, ideally be somewhere which actually feels different as well, rather than like the hotel opposite the road from the office, like really disconnect from day-to-day life for just a few hours to review the previous year, try and work out what went well, what didn't go well, and kind of what lessons I need to take as an individual from that year and then build all of that plus my ambitions into a kind of a roadmap for 2022. So something which yes includes goals but also includes all of the systems that are necessary to get to those goals because we all know that one friend who makes goals and they tell you what they're going to do and then they do nothing about it and for the most part I think that's because people don't have the right systems in place. So Started those wheels turning in Dublin uh, using a system by a guy called Rick Pastor who wrote a book which I believe is out next month called Grip and we're going to have Rick on the podcast maybe next week, maybe in a few weeks time. It depends on schedules. It's all confirmed in but there's a couple of episodes floating around uh, the recording dates for next week's episode if that makes sense. So I'm not sure who it will be yet but potentially next week Rick is coming on. And so if you haven't yet planned your year, if you haven't yet kind of taken a grip of your life uh, with everything you know from the past, taking into account everything you want to do in the future, definitely tune into that episode next week it should be because that process is so, so effective. Now the book isn't even out yet, but I am about two and a half weeks into living the steps that are recommended in that book and it is early days, so it might all go wrong. But so far, this is genuinely the most foolproof, solid process I have encountered for planning days, months, years, and holding yourself accountable. So definitely listen to that with Rick Pastor when he comes on, because hopefully he will share with you exactly what the book has shared with me about how you can really make the most of this year. Uh, But then immediately after Dublin, Flew home on the Wednesday night, literally went to the airport with seven hours to spare because I was just bored, I was tired, I hadn't slept enough. So I went to the airport and I felt a little bit off just as I was getting on the plane. I wouldn't say I felt ill because that's an overstatement, but I felt quite warm. But like most people, I don't carry a thermometer with me, so I couldn't actually tell you if I was warm or whether I was just a bit dehydrated or whether the 20,000 steps that I'd done around Dublin and in the airport were causing me to just be a bit hot but something felt a bit funny and you can probably see where this is going right but I did a lateral flow when I got back to Corby that night at about 11 p.m completely clear I did a lateral flow on the Thursday morning at around 10 a.m which I thought was completely clear because of course they say there's like a 15 to 30 minute window in which you're supposed to read the results after that the results aren't valid Uh, they're not clinically accurate I guess is the phrase so I did the test and kind of as everyone does five minutes into it I looked at it there was only one line I thought wicked for nothing of it put on my bedside table carried on doing some work and then I was texting Chloe who was at the Ed Sheeran gig with me 
and who also had a cough at the time when we were talking about me doing this test. She's like, oh, actually, I've got a bit of a cough. And so I went to send a photo of this test about an hour later to be like, oh, no, look, mine's negative. And there was the most faint line on the test strip, right? As in the the second line that you don't normally see, the second line that indicates that you have COVID was so, so faint. But I thought, wait, I've done a lot of lateral flows in my time because, of course, you know, with my dad living in a care home, for example, every time I go and visit him there, you need to do a test. With that cough thing I had over the summer, convinced on a daily basis that I had COVID, would do tests. So I've probably done maybe, I don't know, 50 lateral flows over the past year. And I'd never seen this line. And although it was outside of the clinically accurate period, and although, I don't know, just something was telling me, book a PCR. So that's what I did, booked PCR for that day. And in the hours leading up to that PCR, started to feel a little bit worse. Um, is it called your sinuses? The the things behind your face? Basically, my face was really, really sore that day. Really sore. Like on a scale of 10, like an 8 out of 10 face pain, which is a funny symptom. And a bit of a headache. So I booked and did the PCR. Obviously, it took forever to come back because that was the week when everyone and their dog was testing positive for COVID. But of course, began my self-isolation then, Thursday night, uh, did another lateral flow and used the nasal swab to also do a throat swab, which just intuitively seemed like a logical thing to do. I've since read online that that's a really sensible thing to do because the viral load is higher in your throat before it is your nose or something. That was really positive. Like that was undisputably two really bright red lines, at which point I just thought, fuck, because it was 10 days until Christmas and I had just began 10 days of self-isolation. My mum was downstairs because I was in Corby and I basically phoned her and I said, look, I told you I was going to do a few tests before I kind of interacted with you just in case. I've done those tests. They're positive. I'll be upstairs. Don't come into my bedroom if you need me. I will see you in 10 days. And that was it. That was two weeks of my life then, essentially. Um, The silver lining, the big silver lining, and it has to be said because... I think I got off incredibly lightly. I imagine in no small part because double jabbed and I probably got Omicron based on when I caught it and where I caught it and the symptoms. Uh, The good news is that I felt completely fine. Despite that very bad headache on day one uh, and a bit of a runny nose on a few other days, I literally felt fine. And I was really tired, really, really tired. But 10 days passed, COVID was over. Um, And yeah, there we go. The only thing is, I haven't had my booster yet because the day I was going to go and get my booster is the day I had to book a PCR. Literally within an hour of my booster appointment or when it was supposed to be, I was in the the drive-through test center. So still need to get my booster at some point because I'm sure that will be a condition of living and getting into anywhere in a few weeks time. If it's not already, I don't even know what the rules are because I'm between England and Wales where the rules are different. I literally don't know what the rules are, but there we go. That was me and COVID. Uh, And that's it, really. That's all that has happened from like a a story time point of view. But one interesting side effect, and I don't mean side effect in a literal sense 
of COVID. But one interesting side effect of COVID was that it completely ruined my sleeping pattern. Like my sleeping pattern didn't exist for those nine or 10 days because I would sleep for about 12 hours a night just because of the fatigue. I'd wake up at maybe 10 or 11 a.m. Before 2 or 3 p.m., I'd squeeze in a little bit of work and whatever I needed to do. Before like 3 p.m., I'd be tired again. And so I'd sleep. And then it'd be like 5 p.m. and it'd be dark outside and I'd wake up and I'd do a few bits or watch some TV and then I'd sleep again and those 12 hours of sleeping would kick in. My sleeping pattern was completely ruined. But I used that as an opportunity to test just hitting like a hard reset on my sleeping pattern, right? So if you've listened to a few episodes of this, you've heard me three or four times now probably try to become a morning person. And it's for all of the reasons I've spoken about before, right? There's a lot that I want to get done in a day. And inevitably I hit certain kind of brick walls with energy at certain times in the day. 4 p.m. for me is always a time where I start to slowly slump. Um, And also after a certain time in the day, it's very difficult to get things done, right? After 6 p.m., it's very unlikely that you're going to get a reply to an email you send, you send or anything like that. So there's almost like a hard ending to the day when it comes to what you can uh, tangibly do to push things forward. And so I've always toyed with the idea of starting my day earlier to kind of open up that window of time and make it more available. But I've never been able to do it. And I think the reason I've never been able to do it is I was try I was basically jet lagging myself in the past, right? I was going from a sleeping pattern where I would get into the office at half 10 and in the space of a day in the space of a night I was trying to be like right well tomorrow I'll wake up at half seven I'll just deal with it and that'll be fine and for the first two or three days every time it worked because you can kind of grin and bear it for a few days but eventually with me at least it always always caught up with me it would be like day three or four and my 7am alarm would go off and I would wake up and I would turn the alarm off and then I'd get into bed and I'd think I literally can't I don't have the energy to leave the house right now I'll sleep for another 10 minutes and before you know it that 10 minutes is three hours it's like 11 a.m at that point by the time I've caught up on sleep Uh, and it just never really worked out and so the only opportunity I think I will ever have unless I catch something like COVID again to literally be stripped bare of a sleeping pattern and be able to build it again was that week And this kind of occurred to me on the last couple of days of isolation. And so I thought the second I'm out of here, I'm going to start waking up at 7am. And then because it was Christmas and New Year and I didn't need to have any real structure in my day, I would go to sleep at whatever time was necessary as soon as I was tired that night to then again make it appropriate to wake up at 7am. I just kind of rinse and repeat. And so that's what I've been doing. And we're 11 or 12 days into this now. Every single day of those 11 or 12 days, I've got between seven and nine hours of sleep. Every single day on those 12 days, I've woken up between seven and half seven in the morning. Typically, what I'm doing is waking up, getting ready, driving straight to the gym, uh, getting my gym session in every morning early straight away so it's done because that's another thing I used to hate the idea of having to go to the gym when it was 8 p.m and I'd just been working all day and it was dark and it was cold so I literally wake up get ready force myself out of the house go to the gym spend an hour in the gym 
feel incredible afterwards because it's early still, I'm awake, I've listened to some music, I've drank like a litre and a half of water by that point, I've had a coffee and then I go to the office and I get to the office and begin work at around nine, half nine. And it's early days, we're 12 days into it, but I feel so, so good because of it and it is working so well. That's the other thing because I've done it properly this time. I haven't just kind of closed my eyes and naively hoped that I'll be able to wake up despite having this huge sleep debt accumulation because I was still going to sleep at 2am but trying to wake up at 7 and thinking that that was sustainable. I've had the chance to properly reset and it's going really well. And also, I'm not sure if you can tell from my slightly deeper than usual voice, but I'm recording this podcast in the morning. The time right now is 33 minutes past 8 I got up at my normal time. Today is a rest day from the gym, so I don't need to go to the gym today, but I didn't want to have a pointless lie-in for two hours because if you listen to episodes of people like Billy Harris, those who are experts in the field of sleep will tell you that the quickest way to ruin your sleeping pattern and have everything go to shit is to vary your sleep and wake time. And so in my calendar, every single day right now, I'm waking up between seven and half seven without fail, even on Saturday and Sunday. I've put things in my morning plan for Saturday and Sunday this week to make sure that I keep that sleep and wake time. Now, don't get me wrong, there will definitely definitely be days when traveling begins, when there are meetings far away, when there's a huge deadline dropped on our desk that it makes sense for us to meet with short notice. Sleep will become more of a challenge than it is on the like 5th of January or whatever it is where things are fairly stable. However, So long as six out of seven nights, I'm getting that uh, sleep time, that wake time and keeping things consistent. So long as I am doing what is necessary to fix things on those nights where I need to stay up late. Um, And so long as also I have these other systems in place, which Rick and I will talk about more on the episode when he comes on. But so much of being able to get to sleep on time, so much of having a reason to wake up at a very specific time and so much of being able to switch off at night because you know you've done what you need to do. I've learned in these last 12 days and that's all it took to learn, like 10 days I was completely convinced. Lots of it is to do with just having the systems to know that you're doing what you need to do because there's no need to work until 11pm at night if you have a a productivity system in place which tells you exactly what you need to be doing in a day. And then you had the systems in place to remain focused during the day. Because when it gets to 6pm and you've done everything you know you need to do, or if you haven't, you've already pulled it across in your calendar to the next day and you've planned your next day and you know that that schedule's solid and you know that the work is going to get done or you know that the thing that you need to do for your family member is going to get done. Once that system's there and you have even an ounce of trust for it, because that's all I'm at right now, I'm like two weeks into this. I don't fully trust the system, but I see it working. There's no reason why you can't sleep and wake when you want. There's no reason why you can't go to bed and be asleep within 10 minutes because you just trust that there's nothing you need to worry about because it's all living inside of a to-do list or in your calendar and that everything will be taken care of. And so there we go. I'm early into this or a few days in, but this really, really does feel like a game changer more energy, more focus, and getting more done because it's just a more sensible structure for the day. I've been to the gym maybe seven or eight times since I started this 12 days ago. 
and it would have been more than that if I didn't ruin my knee somehow that's another story but it's, it's okay now um so I skipped a few leg days shock when do I ever do that um but yeah it's really good basically and so expect me to talk about this more because uh it's just a really big epiphany moment I think um and something I was thinking about when I was planning what to talk about today and trying to condense down lots of these ideas that I've had over the past four weeks is the idea that lots of the things that I'm trying to do these past few weeks and that I'm trying to take with me into this new year are things which I've told myself aren't possible before, right? I have penned myself into certain identity traits which make me believe that I either can or can't do things. And when they are positive traits or when they are positive things, the language you use is all well and good, right? Because if you're telling yourself you can do something, you're more likely to do the thing. But I was thinking about Paul Mort and he has a chapter in his audiobook, which is called Paul Mort Will Save Your Life. And the chapter is called something like Mind Your Fucking Language. And the whole concept is about the idea that what we tell ourselves about who we are and what we can do manifests it comes true right and so all this time I would almost I would almost use it in like a self-loathing way when I'm talking to people I'm talking about the gym the conversation with Andrew Tyndall about a year ago on here when we were talking about the gym and I'm like mate I don't know I never go to the gym la 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 although I know I like going to the gym I almost built up this personality implicitly without thinking about it that it was kind of funny to suggest that although I should be going to the gym and I like going to the gym Part of my personality is that I don't really do it for whatever reason. That was all language, right? The language set the expectation, which led to the action, or in this case, lack of action. The same with waking up early. I would always discount not being able to do it and all the things we just spoke about as being like, oh, I'm just not a morning person. Oh, I'm a night owl, me. That's just language, right? If I were to actually flip the script and be like, I could be a morning person, I just need to believe that first. And once I have that belief, I'll build the systems and do the things necessary. That would be who I become. And so I just think that there is something interesting to be said and considered this year about the language you use about yourself and about what's possible. Because if you tell yourself something isn't possible or if you build your identity around some sort of false negative trait or self-limiting belief, that's what your life's going to be. And the two ideas I've used so far... They're trivial in a way, right? Waking up early and going to the gym. But if I were to sit here and think, there are probably a bunch more things that I currently tell myself through the language I use without even thinking about it. I currently tell myself that I can't do or that I'm not worthy or that I'm somehow on a level below other people who are doing a similar thing or whatever it might be. And so much of that is based not in reality or results or ability but actually just in the language you use. And so that's a really interesting one. Currently talking to Paul's people. Would love to have Paul Moore on the podcast. So add that to the mental list in your mind of people who may be on here this year. Uh, that would be a great episode. But there we go. Mind your fucking language. Uh, so something else I learned in this roller coaster episode of me just sharing thoughts from the past few weeks. As I was planning this year and also reflecting on targets which I've set in previous years is that 
it's really important to allow yourself to have rolling finish lines, right? It's really important to not necessarily on day one of starting something new, have a crazy ambition for where you want to be and have that as the be all and end all goal, but actually to create rolling finish lines so that there are increments between where you are now and where you want to be. There are places where you can stop and take stock and decide whether or not you're actually making progress because if something seems entirely out of reach, if you don't actually believe that you can get somewhere or if there are just too many steps between you and that thing, too many days, right? To train for a marathon, for example, it probably takes, I'm guessing here because I don't know, but it probably takes a good year, minimum six months to train for a marathon. If you've never run before and today you say, you know what, in the summer, I want to run a marathon and then you put on your trainers and you go outside and you start running. In the first few days, motivation will keep you going because that's a big goal, isn't it? I'd love to run a marathon, so I'm going to start running and you'll start running. Your, your One foot will get put inside of another or in front of another. And for the first few days, you'll keep going because that big goal of the marathon is there. But on day nine, when it's a bit cold in the morning and you can't really be bothered, you might have second thoughts. Three or four weeks in, when you, I don't know, have an injury and you're only currently managing to run 4K, you'll be thinking, fuck, a marathon's really quite far. And so the further away your goal is, the more opportunities you have to chip away at your belief that you can actually get there. Whereas if this marathon's in six months, right? This imaginary, imaginary marathon is in six months. Let's say you say, okay, by the end of January, I want to have completed Couch to 5K. By the end of February, I want to have done five 5K runs. I'm making up these numbers because I don't know how you train for a marathon. I want to have done five 5K runs to, uh, with, with no support from an app like Couch to 5K, just on my own, self-motivated, working out my own pace. Maybe by the end of March, I want to do one half marathon, train up to that. doesn't matter on the time. And then maybe in April... You want to do one full marathon, maybe in May you want to do one full marathon, but shave some time off your time. And then in June, there's your summer marathon. That's when you do it, right? If you break that, that one big block, that one big period, that singular finish line down into six mini finish lines, each of which is easier to get to, each of which takes less effort to get to. And yet when you complete them all in a far more achievable way, you get to the exact same point, I believe you're far more likely to stick to it. Now, there's probably science on this. I don't know the science. It's probably in a book out there. Um, But this is just me going off the top and saying that when I was reflecting on my goals these past few years, the ones which had incremental steps to get there, more often than not, were met. The ones which seemed impossibly far away the second things got tough or busy or something else came around or I had to focus on the urgent issues of life, they were the first things to go because if you're aiming for this North Star and all you have is the North Star, it's understandable, it's almost correct to dismiss that, well, I can't get there, so I'll just focus on the things I can do. Whereas if all of your goals look a little bit like things you can do, I believe that if you do that this year, you're more likely to hit them. And then, where are we? 
here we go. Just reading my notes. Smooth episode as always. So a lot of what I've spoken about uh, today comes down to motivation, right? And the the different level of motivation that I feel that I'm trying to build this year because we're all motivated in January. You are, I am. Like, it's so easy to be motivated at the beginning of a new year and tell yourself you're going to do all these things and then life gets in the way, right? And so with everything I've already spoken about between looking after myself a bit better, between having really solid systems, between setting goals which have incremental stages so that they become more achievable. All of these things are me trying to build a different type of motivation because motivation in the traditional sense, at least when I think about it, is this kind of loud screaming noise in your mind, this short burst of inspiration and energy and wanting to do something. And it propels you really fast in the right direction but you very, very quickly burn out. And I don't need to tell you this because we all go through these periods where you're incredibly motivated about something and then it's six days later and you're doing nothing. You're making no action towards whatever thing it was that you were motivated to do. And I don't think that there is a a right answer when it comes to motivation. I don't think that you can have that high-level high energy motivation every single day. I know that some people on the internet profess to have that. Personally, I don't buy it. I feel like it's a bit of a facade. We all have shit days. And so what I'm trying to build this year through all of this stuff and through other things that I probably haven't yet even discovered, but will add into the mix is like a a quieter, more consistent motivation and understanding that actions lead to results and just knowing what actions I need to take. And that in itself will be the motivation. So this isn't the same as two years ago when I said that I have no outcome-based goals for the year and everything will be a process, but rather it's outsourcing my need for motivation to processes, right? Outsourcing my need to feel incredible every day to the fact that I know that there is a spreadsheet of things I need to do every day just to have a good day. Outsourcing whether or not I feel like going to the gym in a given day to the fact that my calendar tells me when I'm going to the gym and so far at least I just follow it there'll be days when I don't I'm sure but generally I've outsourced that right I don't need to wake up in the morning and think do I feel motivated today because it doesn't matter if you follow the plan you follow the plan right Uh, The same is true of work, the same is true of my diet, tracking food, tracking water, tracking sleep, all of these things. I'm trying to rely less this year on short bursts of motivation. Now, that's not to say that when I have motivation, I won't lean into it because motivation will happen in the same way that you can't control when motivation disappears. And that's the problem. You almost can't control when it appears. And when it does appear, when I have short bursts of energy because I'm really excited about something, I'll absolutely let that be a tailwind and push me forward. But the vast majority of us for the vast majority of the time are not motivated certainly not to the level that films and books and pricks on instagram would have you believe is the norm and so i'm just outsourcing it i'm allowing the the systems to carry me on the days where my vote where my motivation won't and that's kind of similar to something i tweeted the other day 
which is, I'll read the tweet actually. So I said, reminder for 2022, the key to success this year is actually nothing to do with having a good year and everything to do with having good days. Success is measured on a scale of years, but it's produced one good day at a time. And it's kind of that, right? Though I have these goals, I'm not trying to have a good year this year. I'm just trying to wake up and have a good day as many times as possible. And that's not to say that days I wake up and feel depressed or anything, because fortunately I don't. But what I mean is it's so easy from a moving forward point of view, from a results point of view, it's so easy, and you know this, to wake up on any given day and think, I can't be bothered today. I'm just going to cruise. I'm going to get the bare minimum done on whatever it is I need to get done. I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm going to eat some shit food because I can always start again tomorrow. I'm going to skip the gym. I'm going to stay up late watching YouTube because I need to distract myself from whatever's going on in my mind. I'm going to get to sleep late. Like these things, these bad days, the things that facilitate you having a bad day are the exact things, are the only things which will cause you this year to have a bad year. There's no such thing as a bad year, right? Because there's no single action you can or can't take that will dictate the outcome of this year for you. But there are many actions every day which dictate whether or not you have a good day. And all a good year is, all a good month is, is a bunch of days stuck together, right? And so whether or not you have a good year this year is determined exclusively by whether or not you have more good days than bad days. So that's something else I'm reminding myself of this year. Um, That's something I went wrong with last year, I think. I had a very busy few years with the business where I kind of tried to go all out in every respect, right? So I was doing lots of the things that I speak about now a few years back, just with a bit more naivety and a bit less planning. So like working silly hours in the business with big ambitions whilst going to the gym really consistently back then, whilst tracking my food, whilst traveling a lot between Wales and Corby and London on trains because I didn't drive back then. And so when I got to 2021, especially in the light of lockdowns and so on, I told myself that I would take my foot off the gas a little bit in the name of balance Now, that didn't mean to push less with the business because I think last year was one of the, if not the uh, most heavy lifting year for the business. And we made good progress as a result of that. But rather, I told myself I wouldn't be so strict when it came to tracking habits. I wouldn't be so strict when it came to what I eat or the gym or water or sleep or any of these things. Right. And so in the name of balance, I actually lost all balance because you can go too far. In the name of giving yourself a break, you can have too much of a break to the point where you actually end up in a far worse position, right? If balance last year meant only going to the gym three days a week, that would have been great because I would have maintained a fairly reasonable level of health. However, if you were to average out the number of times I went to the gym last year, it's probably like 0.8 times a week. If that, right, really low. If you were to average out the number of steps I did per day last year, it's like 2,000 steps a day. So there wasn't really any balance there. It's easy to think that wellness and kind of giving yourself a break looks like doing what the fuck you want for as long as you want and just saying, oh, it's all okay. 
But actually, I think, and this comes from the whole Jocko Willink, um, what is his book called? Something like Discipline Equals Freedom or something. Like, without discipline, without doing the right things, there is no balance. I had no balance last year. I put on over a stone of, not muscle, just pure body fat from, like, McDonald's, right? I weigh now over a stone what I weighed last year, and that's not good uh, like BMI friendly muscle growth or anything. It's just McDonald's. Literally. I spent like 900 pounds on McDonald's last year. Madness, right? I lost all balance in the name of finding balance. And I think that a lot of this year will be to do with trying to have balance. Yes, because that's important, but doing it with accountability to make sure that things don't get left unchecked because left unchecked balance very quickly becomes imbalance and believe me when I say from all of the bad habits that I picked up last year that I'm trying to now unpick it's a lot more difficult to pick yourself up from the floor because you've had a shit year than it is to pick yourself up from a couple of levels down because you went a bit too hard burned down took a few days off and so there we go that's something that's on my mind uh this week And I think that's it, to be honest. I think that is an update of where my mind's at. This has been a very random episode. But as you can probably tell, I've been doing a lot of building in the last few weeks. A lot of getting ready. And it might all be redundant. I might walk through the door in a second into the main office. And there might be a mad thing that I need to deal with. And that might make me very busy. And then things might fall apart. And then it might be the end of January and I might be waking up late and not going to the gym and eating shit and thinking, what's the point? But, and I truly, truly believe this, this year, I have the chance to do more than I've ever done. I spoke about it a few episodes ago. The foundations are in place in every area of my life to make this year a really good one. And with things like not relying on motivation, but rather systems I think that just doing the right thing will make this year a good one. And so, with that said, I think that this year of the podcast will be the most interesting from the perspective of documenting my life and my thoughts because I think that there will be a step change this year. And I really hope that. Uh, This is also a new chapter for life and lessons, I think, because there weren't many guests last year, were there? if we're honest about it, there certainly weren't the 25 or so that I was hoping for. And I won't go into the reasons for that because you already know them if you've listened to previous episodes. I've told you at length the challenges that I was facing with getting guests. And I think a lot of that, just to loop around very quickly, because it's a good real world example, a lot of that comes down to two things I've already spoken about. The first was I was relying on bursts of motivation to tell me when to reach out to guests. Uh, And the second is I wasn't scheduling time to reach out to them. I didn't have a plan in place. And so I was just kind of hoping that it happened. Terrible ideas. However, on this big break, rectified both of those. Speaking to an incredible number of guests, frankly, I can't quite believe some of the names which are in my inbox right now. They're authors, they're thinkers, they're doers who I genuinely, genuinely admire who you've almost definitely heard of or read the work of. And not many of them are cemented in yet because these things take time. You need to build up trust with these publishers and these publicists and so on. But if even 10% 
of the names of the people in my inbox right now come off this year, then from a guest perspective, this year on the podcast will be a, a real step change. And so I'm excited about that. I'm also going to be pushing up the production quality of the podcast this year wherever possible, because frankly, that's what you deserve, right? If you're giving me half an hour, an hour, even in the case of some guest episodes, 90 minutes a week, then I want to make sure that it looks and it sounds the best it can, because frankly, that's what you deserve. If you give me your time, I want to give you the best product on the back of that. Uh, Similarly, going to be pushing out a lot more content to YouTube this year. Having spoken to others in the podcasting space, that seems like a really critical thing to be doing to grow audience. And of course, I always say I don't care about the numbers, but frankly, from the perspective of being able to book guests, you need the numbers. And so this chicken and egg is finally getting cracked this year and we're going to grow the listener numbers of the podcast. And so whilst you're here, actually, if you're not watching on YouTube right now, if you are, by the way, hello, thank you. If you're not, uh, please head over to the link in the show notes of this episode and just click that subscribe button for me. It means that you'll see new episodes when they go live. Uh, there's a few confirmed guests being recorded with in the next few weeks. I'm purposely not going to name any who are almost confirmed, but not yet confirmed because it'll be awkward if they don't come through. And I don't want you to be expecting people who aren't yet confirmed. What I will say, those who are on the cusp of being confirmed are incredible. But already we have five confirmed recordings, including Rick Pastor, who I just spoke about, the author of Grip, an incredible book, which is out next month. Uh, Rory Sutherland, who you probably know, the vice chairman of Ogilvy, I would say the leading well-known behavioral scientist in this country and also an incredible author of books like Alchemy. Such an incredible personality as well. Really excited for that conversation. It will be out towards the end of February, beginning of March, based on the recording date. And also next week, recording with Max Fosch. I've called him my favourite YouTuber before on here. Big statement. Uh, Max, of course, YouTuber who puts himself in the craziest situations and does the weirdest things in a Louis Farouk style uh, documentary making where he will just uncover interesting and unusual things, right? Whether it was him running to be London mayor against Lawrence Fox and coming 19th out of 20th, whether it was him burying £10,000 in a suitcase and leading thousands of people on a treasure hunt until somebody eventually found it, whether it's him uh, joining a nudist colony for 24 hours and seeing what it's like to walk around naked for a day, whether it was him catching a fish from the Thames to make fish and chips, uh, whether it's him breaking London Fashion Week with Zach and Jay to end up in Vogue and all these big magazines dressed in clothes from a charity shop. He's put himself through some really incredible situations. It's going to be really interesting to talk about those situations and also talk about the confidence that you need to do that, where that comes from, and also what you learn from those mad situations. So they are free guests coming up in the very near future. There are so many more being spoken to. And um, yeah, I'm excited for this year. I hope you are too. But that is it for now. Thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a good week and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 102 of Life and Lessons. See you then.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.